Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, well, Merry Christmas to each of you. I hope you got some hot chocolate to get warm here uh, on this cold Florida day. And one of the things that I love about uh, Christmas and around Christmas are all the unique stories and movies that come with it. You know, and I, I know, okay, this is not going to be popular opinion, uh, but there are several Christmas classics like Charlie Brown's Christmas and Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life uh, that if you're like me, you feel like you're supposed to like them, but they're just really not that great. And then there's the classics that are actually... Uh, good, like A Christmas Story and Home Alone and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> and then, of course, there's Elf, which is a whole other category in itself. Okay, and I, and I bring this up uh, because what I think we naturally understand from stories and movies, whether it's a Christmas movie or just a good book, you know, we know there's always two sides to every story. You know, parents with multiple kids uh, certainly get this. Uh, we see this in dating and marriage relationships. We see this uh, idea play out in just everyday life. Uh, and this, the same is true of Jesus' birth. There are two sides to the story. You know, over the uh, past few weeks, we've been scanning over the Old Testament, seeing how God uh, was preparing his people for Jesus uh, to come over a several thousand year period. And last week, we finally landed at Jesus' birth and really focused in on Jesus' mother, Mary, seeing her side of the story. Again, Jesus' birth story has two sides. There's Mary's side of the story in the book of Luke, which is the more traditional Christmas story, where all the Christmas plays come from, seeing the manger scene with the animals and Jesus laid in the manger. Uh, But then there's also Joseph's side of the story, which is the far shorter, less detailed side of the story in the book of Matthew. And what's interesting is that Mary's side focuses uh, mainly on a much shorter time period spanning about an 18-month time frame, seeing the time just before her birth all the way to after her birth, where Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, his side of the story, uh, it didn't have many details around the birth, but what's interesting is that although his side didn't give a lot of details around the birth, Joseph's side of the story that we see in the book of Matthew is spanned over a several thousand year period. And so Mary's side was focused on the events around the birth, and Joseph's side was focused on the long history leading up to the birth uh, with the genealogy. And I know, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard two different sides of the same story, but what is often the case is that both are uh, true. They're just emphasized differently oftentimes. It's like, yes, I understand your brother just punched you, and yes, I understand that really hurt, and, and you, don't, you didn't really like it, and I'm really sorry, but let me just ask, why did he punch you? And the other brother says, well, I don't know. And then as the investigation continues, come to find out the other brother just totally destroyed his brother's fort he was working on all day long. And then there's this kind of back and forth filling in the details. And the same is somewhat true of Jesus' birth. We see both stories to get the entire picture. Because the Christmas story that we often think of when we think of Jesus' birth is the manger scene, which, yes, is a major part of the story. But what we need to understand is that the Christmas story, it didn't start in the manger. No, it started in the garden. The Christmas story began, as we mentioned earlier in our service, it began in Genesis chapter 3 when sin and darkness and evil entered into the world. And I know this just took a bit of a turn. (laughs) But again, there are two sides to every story. The Christmas story isn't just Mary's side and Joseph's side, but there's also a light side and a shadow side. 
There's also a bad news side and a good news side to the Christmas story, which will be our two points for today that we'll get to in a second. But before we get there, I think we can agree we naturally understand this. Every story has a hero and a villain. Every good story has a hero and a villain. Every Hallmark Christmas movie, uh, it begins with someone sad, lonely, and broke. And then it ends with two people falling in love, living happily ever after. And whether we want to admit it or not, you know, we all at some point come to terms that this life is not all gumdrops and lollipops. That something in this world is just off. That's the bad news side of the Christmas story. And what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't paint a rosy picture of life. No, it paints an honest picture of reality. And we see in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world and the Christmas story began, we see that darkness and evil and suffering and brokenness at that point, like that's where it came in. Those things became a part of our everyday life. Cars break. Relationships get strained. Expectations don't get met. People get sick. Arguments happen and on and on we could go. This is not, and this is not just a way back then reality. No, this is a today, everyday reality. And what we need to understand is, is about the Christmas story is that it's not just a story about Mary and Joseph and Jesus laying in a manger, giving us a reason to celebrate Jesus' birthday, which, yes, is true. But the Christmas story, again, it began in the garden and it continued with the manger and then the cross and an empty tomb. And now it extends to you and me and each of us here today. And the Christmas story is a story that is deeply personal. It's foundational to everything we do. It's a story that totally reshapes our entire life. And we have to come to terms and ask, is this true or not? Because it's easy to say, yes, I believe Jesus was born in a manger and walked this earth as a historical reality, but we must agree it's, it's, something, uh, but we must agree it's something totally different to take that reality and then base your entire life on it. And the entire Christmas story, from the garden to the cradle to the empty tomb, to us today, it tells the story that this is not just a historical event, but this is a real and true life-altering event that is worth basing our entire life on. Because again, there's not a single person on this planet that could say this life is free of pain and suffering and hardship. No, we all would recognize and say, yes, sin and suffering, it's real, it exists. I mean, we just watch the news and we see this. And the question we're all left wrestling with is the question the Christmas story answers. And the question we all want answers to is how do we find hope living with this reality? If sin and suffering is real and hardship is just a normal part of life, if finances and relationships get strained and arguments happen and death is inevitable, then we must ask how and where do we find hope with this reality? You know, maybe we wouldn't word it exactly this way, but at the end of the day, no matter how we spin it, we're all left scratching our heads saying, something is just not right with the world. And New City, what I want us to see today is what the Christmas story answers. We all see and know that something is wrong with the world, and it's not just outside of us. Uh, and we may not want to admit this, but there's also something wrong inside of each of us, myself included. It's true of every person on the planet, and something needs to be fixed. There has to be some sort of hope. And what the Christmas story shows us as our main idea for today is that Jesus is that hope. That Jesus came to bring us hope. You know, hope is not better circumstances. No, the Christmas story tells us that hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. 
Because again, the backdrop of Christmas is dark and painful. The backdrop of Christmas is evil and sin and suffering. The backdrop of Christmas is the world that you and I and each of us live in. And we think of this idea of hope. We could say hope is an, ex- is an expectation for a better future, for a better tomorrow. And every person on this planet is looking for some sort of hope. Again, because we all look at the world and we know that something is off. Again, every single person on this planet is searching for hope in some way. And yes, it manifests itself in different ways. We either try to find it in school or our careers or sports or our kids. I mean, or a million different things. But again, regardless of what the, that search for hope looks like, every person on this planet wants a better tomorrow. We all want life to just improve. And just maybe... Today, you might recognize that in your own life just a little bit more. Maybe today, the pain of hardship hits a little bit harder. Maybe today, the strain of family dynamics feels a little bit more strained. Or just maybe you're not really sure what to think, but you know the world is off and that things aren't the way they ought to be. Which is, as I've already been alluding to, this is number one, the bad news of Christmas. This is the not-so-fun part of Christmas. This is uh, like the Grinch part of Christmas. But until we face this bad news in the dark side of Christmas, we can't truly celebrate the good news in the light of Christmas. Because the entire Christmas story is a story that gives hope for a hurting and lost world. And not just for way back then, but it's also for us today. And because of Jesus being born, because of Christmas, we're not left in despair. No, we're left with hope. So again, the Christmas story, it began in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered the world. And the reason this is where the Christmas story begins is, where, is because this is where our need for hope, that's where it began. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the entire Old Testament, the question that is being asked is, where is our hope? Or more precisely, in who is our hope? Like who will rescue us and save us out of this mess and darkness? Again, the question that's being asked is, where is our hope? Is it in sports? Is it in education, in politics? Is it in our family or our friends? Again, this is the question every single person on the planet is asking. Where is our hope? And in many ways, all those things I just listed off, uh, they can all be great gifts and they can all be great blessings to us, but I think we also know that they don't always come through. Sports and education in our careers, politics, family, they fall short in, in some ways and they don't always last. Injuries happen, economies crash. Arguments and tensions uh, continue to break out. And this is not just a, a major life question. This is an everyday question. I mean, every single day we, we seek to answer that question with our thoughts and emotions and with our actions. We ask, where is our hope? And if we follow these things close enough, we'll see where we, we seek to find hope. I mean, where we spend our time, it, it will give hints to our hope. I mean, just what we daydream and think about, those things speak to where we're searching for hope. I mean, we could go on and on because, again, this is the question that drives our day. What's going to bring us joy and satisfaction? What's going to make my life better? And again, as we make it through the Old Testament and land in the first book in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, we would then see Joseph's side of the story that just includes a long list of names. And as we go through that roster of names called the genealogy, we'd be reminded of story after story, of failure after failure, seeing this painful reality continue to play out. With someone giving a small glimpse of hope just to then fail and fail yet again. You know, if we went and looked at each of those stories, we'd see real quick that just maybe hope has been lost. It's like nothing seems to be working out. 
Because sin is growing, darkness seems to be winning, and each hero that seems to come up onto the scene in the Old Testament keeps falling short. They just don't cut it. Again, the entire question of the Old Testament before Jesus was born is who's going to save us and rescue us? And again, maybe just today you can relate with this. I mean, have you ever been tired of hope? Just tired of hoping? Because it just feels like every time you get your hopes up, you just get let down. I know I've been there several times. You know, maybe you thought a promotion was coming just to find out you got passed over. Maybe a relationship seemed to be improving. Strides were being made just to then regress yet again. Or maybe it's addiction or a bad habit uh, seems to have finally been kicked just to then roll back into it again. It's almost like breakthrough is coming. You see it happening. Things are falling into place just to then just be ripped out of your hands. Y'all, this is essentially the story of the Old Testament. God shows himself to be faithful, but people keep falling short. It's like they keep fumbling the ball on the one yard on. Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 had everything at their fingertips, but what happened? They messed up, they disobeyed God, and they fumbled the football. You know, we see king after king in the Old Testament seem to be the one to rescue God's people, but time and time again, they all fall short. They fumble the football. But this is the reason Christmas exists. The reason Jesus came down to earth is because all of humanity from the beginning of time has been dealing with this and continuing to fall short and left asking the question, where is our hope? And when we enter the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, as my favorite children's Bible says, Matthew chapter 1 announces to us, he's here. Hope is here. The king and the rescuer has come. And guess what? He's not going to fumble the football. He's not going to let you down. No, he's going to execute and deliver, which leads us to number two, the good news of Christmas. Because New City, the rescuer, hope himself, Jesus was born. But what we see and how it happens, it was totally unexpected. You know, it's not how we probably would have drawn it up because this great rescuer and deliverer, he was born to a small town teenage girl named Mary who was engaged to a small town guy named Joseph. And they weren't exactly your first round pick with the religious elites of the day. And this is when we begin reading, seeing Joseph's side of the Christmas story. Look in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so essentially, Mary, she was engaged to Joseph, and then Joseph finds out his fiancée is pregnant, and Joseph knows that uh, she's not pregnant with his baby. And so Joseph, what does he do? Well, I think what most... People would have done in this situation. Look what it says. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So they weren't married yet. They were betrothed, which again is kind of like being engaged. And so Joseph, he calls off the wedding. And last week we looked at Mary's side of the story in Luke where we see how she got pregnant and how an angel came and spoke to her and also to a priest named, came and spoke to a priest named Zechariah, confirming all of this to both of them. And Elizabeth, who's the priest's wife over in Luke chapter 1 and 2, who was well past past her prime for having a baby, she also gets pregnant. And if if you haven't read the whole story in in Luke chapter 1, y'all, it's wild. I mean, because angels are popping up in people's houses. The priest, he goes mute. Uh, Baby's in the womb. They're dancing. It's just a wild story over in in Luke. 
But during the whole thing, Mary and Elizabeth, they lived together for about three months. I'm guessing because the sheer craziness of it all, trying to wrap their brains around all of what's happening with the, with the miracle of Mary, who is a virgin, being pregnant with God's son. Again, y'all, Mary's side of the story is just wild. And Joseph, he's not so sure about it all. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of step away from this because this seems kind of fishy. And look what happens to Joseph on his side of the story in verse 20 in Matthew. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, can you imagine all of this? As we saw last week in Luke 1, the priest encounters uh, and an angel saying, uh, his son will point to the Savior. And then also, Mary encounters an angel, and the angel says to her son uh, that her son will be the Son of God, who will be called Jesus, which means Savior. And then Joseph, he kind of struggles to believe all of this, and he kind of, uh, he, he, I guess he thinks it's kind of cuckoo, I suppose. And then, and then Joseph, he too, by the kindness of God, he also encounters an angel. And then an angel essentially says, hey, Joseph, don't worry about all of this. You can marry your fiance, Mary. Because yes, the Holy Spirit did in fact put baby Jesus in her womb, and not only that, but Jesus, he will save people from their sins. And so Joseph, at this point, who is very aware that his people are in a very dark spot, and, and Joseph is very aware of the brokenness of the world and that his people have been looking for their Savior for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and then it all just kind of clicked with him. And then as we keep reading, we see a few more details that coincide with what we kind of read earlier in our service in Isaiah chapter 7 by the prophet Isaiah. It says in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 22, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this is in, this, in the passage here, it's more of a sidebar note letting us, the reader, know that God was keeping his word. Like he said he was coming, and here he is, he came. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came down to earth to be with his people. And we see Jesus, he's called multiple different names, and one of the names that he's called that we just read is Emmanuel, which as it says, means God with us. Meaning that God came down to earth, showing that he's not, he, God is not far off and distant. No, God is deeply personal. God knows all the thoughts about us. He knows our thoughts, our actions. He sees it all. He knows it all. And then he came down into this dark and cold world to be with us and to save us. And look what it says next in verse 24 and 25. When the angel Joseph, when, when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And so Joseph, he had this wild dream where an angel speaks to him. But Joseph knew it was from the Lord, and so he got back with Mary. And y'all, what I love about the Bible is that God shows and confirms things through multiple different sources. So now, three different people had three different encounters with an angel at different times in different places, all confirming the same thing. And I just want to point out that, yes, when we hear things like this in the Bible, oftentimes people will just kind of scratch their heads and think, we actually think this is real? Like, it's a cool story, yes, but it sounds more like a fairy tale than reality. And I always find this fascinating because this sa the same person may also affirm that, yes, Jesus did walk the earth, 
Yes, Jesus did die on the cross, and most of the time we'll also affirm that, yes, Jesus rose from the dead, but then struggle to believe that Jesus was born to a virgin and that angels could actually come and talk to people. And I'm not going to go into all the logic here, but if Jesus did rise from the dead, none of the other miracles in the Bible, like the ones we see here at Jesus' birth, they're not too far-fetched and hard to explain. But when we look at Joseph's side of the story, in Matthew 1, uh, that's where the birth story ends. Yes, in Matthew chapter 2, we see the wise men coming to worship Jesus, but Joseph's side of the story, it doesn't give all the details surrounding the birth. But what Joseph's side does tell us, it matches up with Mary's side of the story. And in both stories, although told, although told very differently, we see the same big important truths. That God in the flesh came down to earth as a baby to live among his people. And in both stories, in both Luke and in Matthew, the point is not to emphasize the manger and the animals and Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, the point of the birth narratives in both stories is to show us that our hope has come. That our Savior was born and that good news, it's here. Because y'all, the Christmas story didn't start in the manger. No, it started with the bad news of Genesis chapter 3 in the garden and it was continued in the manger. But what we also can't miss here is that this Christmas story with Jesus being born, if the Christmas story doesn't continue past the manger scene, Christmas, it can't be celebrated. If the story of hope doesn't continue past the cradle, this would simply just be another possibility of hope that just fell short again. If the Christmas story stops at the manger, then hope it's not realized. And all those encounters with the angels, we would have to say they were probably just hallucinations. And Joseph, he got duped into believing his wife was a virgin, when in reality, he probably just got cheated on. But you know what? Everything in the birth story, we can confirm that yes, it's true. That marriage, Mary, yes, she was a virgin. That Joseph, no, he was not crazy. That what the angel said, they, it, yes, it was true. And that in fact, yes, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Because as the Christmas story continues, Jesus grew up and became a man. He lived a sinless life. He performed miracles. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead to life. And then as an innocent man, he went to die a bloody, grueling death on a Roman cross. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Your city, Jesus' death and resurrection confirms that the manger scene, it wasn't a scandal. No, it was hope entering the world. That's the Christmas story. It started in the garden. It continued with the cradle. It was confirmed at the cross. And for us today, it shows that our hope, it's real and true. The cross and resurrection shows us our hope, and it's not a fairy tale. No, the cross and the resurrection confirm that this is our reality. The cradle, the cross, and the empty tomb, they show us that Jesus, he wasn't just born into this world, but as Matthew's story tells us, no, Jesus came into the world to save the world from our sin and to live among us forever. Y'all, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating that God keeps his word and that God is faithful. And it's still today because of the cross and the resurrection that Jesus, he is still with us today. And so church, today, in our loneliness, God is with us. In our struggles, in sickness, in fears, in worries, God is with us. Today, in our battle against sin, God is with us. He has not forgotten us. The Christmas story is a story of hope because it doesn't just tell us that God is with us right now, but it also reminds us that he's going to be with us forever. 
The birth story shows us that God came once to earth as a humble Savior and reminds us that one day He is coming back as a forever conquering King. And He will totally make all things new where sin and sadness and pain and sorrow, they absolutely will not exist. Every day we wake up, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, we wake up with hope, knowing that God is with us in the mess and the darkness of the world. We wake up every day with hope that although we fumbled the football yesterday and messed up yesterday, today, yet again, we do get a fresh new start. Because of Christmas, because of hope, we wake up knowing that real and lasting change is possible. That addictions, yes, they can be overcome, that relationships can be restored, and that there is a true joy to be found. Because of Christmas, we wake up each day with the hope that what God has called us to, it can be realized by the power of God. And that we can continue to endure when hardship and trouble strikes. Because God is with us, we can be confident that our efforts to help the poor and the orphan and the widow and the unwed mother in our city, they're not insignificant. No, God uses it and then he multiplies our efforts. Because of the hope of Christmas, God can take our simple efforts, like painting a couple bedrooms for a foster mom named Gary, God takes these efforts to then, unbeknownst to us and her, to prepare those rooms that we painted for, for two kids that would be sleeping in those rooms that weekend. You know, this is just what God does. God takes our efforts and multiplies it to show his people, hey, I can keep going. We can endure because God, he's with us. And so tomorrow, as you stop and reflect and celebrate Christmas with just friends and family, May we have this simple reminder yet again that hope has come, that hope is still with us today, and that our promised future, it will happen. But you know what? The Bible is clear that the only way this hope becomes a reality for each of us is that we have to say yes to Jesus. We have to, ha we have to hand over our life to Jesus. We have to say, Jesus, you are my hope. And when we say yes to Jesus and begin following him, believing that he lived and he died and he rose from the grave, we receive the greatest gift we could ever receive. And we receive the gift of salvation. We're given a, a brand new start, a new, fresh start. We're given hope that will last forever into eternity. And this is the good news of Christmas. Hope is here. <laughs> hope has come. And so if you haven't trusted in Christ, I pray that today would be the day your hope is fully realized just by simply saying yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. Let's pray. God, you're, you are so good to us that you didn't leave us in the mess of this world, that you don't leave us in despair, that you don't lead, leave us in our sadness and in our sorrow. But God, you came down into the mess of the world, into the mess of each and every single one of our lives that call you, call you Lord. God, you came in to restore us, to help us, to be with us, so that each and every single day we can wake up and know that we get a brand new, fresh start. That our sin has been washed clean and that hope has come. God, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the resurrection. God, we pray as we celebrate Christmas and that you came down to earth to live among us that we would just remember that when you came, Jesus, you brought us hope. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.